actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 today. Imagine, if you will, you're a dispatcher. You're sitting in your chair at work, facing about a half a dozen computer monitors, going from call to call, typing away at a keyboard all the information that someone has given you on your current call. A citizen's calling in, telling police, that they've woke to find their car has been broken into sometime overnight. No suspect info, just that their window was broken and various items in the car are missing. You take down the address, vehicle description, name the caller, and tell them the police will be sent. This is the fifth call like this that you've had already today. The 911 line has now backed up a call. You quickly go back onto a ready status, not knowing what will come in next, and answer that call. This person is calling about someone who is dead. You start getting all the necessary info to get police and medics started quickly. While gathering that info, the whole time in the back of your mind, you're posing the question to yourself. Am I talking to a killer? In this episode, we're going to discuss a couple calls that are just like that. Can you tell? Can you tell if this is a killer? Welcome back to Music City 911. City is your emergency. Get away! 
Okay, tell me that one more time so I know I have it right. 220 South, 1180 West, Orem, Utah. Conflict. Okay. And I have officers headed over there. Tell me the phone number you're calling from, okay? <laughs> Cell phone. Tell me. <laughs> I have officers on the way. I need to know what happened. I Somebody, I need to know exactly what happened. Who was bleeding? She's like, she's choking, but I can't make out half because she's yelling so loud. Hello, can you hear me? Hello? I need you to pick up the phone for me. Hello? 
I have talked before about hysterical callers. This was definitely one of them. Someone like this is so emotional that they can only focus on one thing. It's hard, if not impossible, for them to listen to anything, let alone questions from a dispatcher. This makes a call like this extremely difficult to process. The first several minutes of this call, really all we had was the address and maybe that the victim was shot. One point, the caller says something about her choking. You just really couldn't tell much of anything going on. I know that people can't control this when they're in that state, but just like the dispatcher on this was saying, when someone is screaming like this, it really messes up what you can hear. That microphone in your mobile phone is generally pretty terrible. Combine that with the compression that's used to save bandwidth by the cell phone carriers and it's just a recipe for a shit-sounding call. This is 100% in the shit-sounding call region. It was so bad that the dispatcher thought this was a female caller. It wasn't. During something like that, you don't know what emotion you'll have. If you can, 
try to control and listen. Luckily, the police did get there to this one pretty quickly. Any further hysterics from the caller, and they might not have got there for several more minutes. Getting on to the meat of this call, though, the caller was Conrad Truman. He stated that he found his 25-year-old wife, Heidi, shot. She was in the bath, and after getting out, he heard a loud pop. Through all the screams on that phone call, that's about all we got. Going from just the 911 call, what do you think? Was Conrad the killer? If he is, that has to be one of the best acting performances I've ever heard. But there are still more details to be had. Police arrived to find Conrad covered in Heidi's blood, sobbing and screaming. He was very uncooperative and belligerent with the responders and even threatened to, quote, kill them and everyone they know if they didn't save her life. He was also very intoxicated. Five hours after this happened, he still had a blood alcohol content of .07, nearly the legal limit for drunk driving. The story about what happened, there are a lot of possibilities and variations. Early on, according to Conrad, the two had been watching the show Dexter on TV together and drinking Maker's Mark whiskey. He said they heard some yelling outside and Conrad decided to investigate what it was. He had a gun and took his dog with him. He said that there was an unidentified black male that was seen while out looking around. After he came back in, Conrad said that he and Heidi got into an argument over getting another dog. He made it out to police like this was just a casual disagreement. But it was bad enough that Heidi decided she wanted to take a bath to cool off. While Heidi was in there, behind a locked door, Conrad picked the lock at which point Heidi told him to get out. He said he was only in there to apologize. Minutes later, he said he heard a loud pop and turned to see Heidi standing there naked and stumbled to the ground. The story goes all over the place from there. When police were dispatched, they thought they were on their way to a suicide. When they got there and saw his state and started asking questions, they shifted gear into a murder investigation. His version of the night's events changed during questioning at one point saying that he saw a black man running out of the house right before the gunshot and that he believed that that same man may have shot her through a wall or window and was also hostile during questioning, calling the police jerks, and on and on from there. As the weeks went on in the investigation, he started to refuse to cooperate with the police, with them calling him once at work, and he denied answering any questions. After gathering what police and prosecutors believed was enough evidence, Conrad was arrested for murder. During the trial, prosecutors pushed the narrative that Conrad had shot his wife in the head with a 380 handgun, that his motive was a life insurance policy worth over $800,000 and used his variety of stories against him. Conrad was sentenced to 16 years in prison. So Conrad did kill his wife. He was the killer on the phone with 911. But was he? Conrad started the appeal process, and after spending four years in prison, 
he was acquitted of all charges. But how? You ever stood really close to a screen door and looked at it? Tons of holes. Holes everywhere. That's what happened here. There were so many discrepancies in all of this, from Conrad, the police investigation, and even the medical examiner. The discrepancies with Conrad, we have discussed some. From all I've said about this, it sounded like he was beyond guilty. But from accounts from others, he actually didn't have a reason to kill her. They weren't in any trouble with money. They had a decent amount in savings, and both had pretty good jobs. Enough that money wasn't really an issue. Also, it at least seemed that they had a loving relationship. They would leave sticky notes to each other around the house with loving messages to each other. And to top it off, his fingerprints were not found on the gun that was used to kill her. On the police end, there were seemingly a lot of mistakes as well. Contaminated scene evidence. Dogs walking through the scene. Conrad at one point that night when Heidi was killed was allowed to go to the bathroom unsupervised and during that time he could have washed his hands removing any gunpowder residue if he was indeed the killer. The medical examiner early on going on statements from police determined that this was a homicide not a suicide. Police stated that she had been shot and then stumbled the length of the hallway, which was, according to police, a little over 13 feet. The examiner said that there was no way she could have made it that far after having a gun pressed hard against her head and then shot. But later, another mistake was brought forward. The hallway was a little under 12 feet long. This difference, which was between one and two feet, was enough to make the medical examiner change his own decision of deeming this a homicide to a possible suicide. Now, I'm obviously no doctor. I'm no medical examiner. But I have a couple problems with this. Number one, most people who are shot directly in the head, they die almost immediately. If they're standing up, they'll fall right there where they are. Yes, it depends on what was actually hit inside the head, but most of the time, they just fall right there. Past that, you can't tell me that the difference of a maximum of two feet is going to make you rise up and say, yep, I was wrong. Definitely not a homicide. So this was a suicide, right? Gunpowder residue was found on her hands and her fingerprints were on the gun. But even with that, it's a hard sell. As I said before, Heidi, at least from the outside, it seemed like she had a good relationship with her husband. She also went and got in the bath. Yes, it was after an argument and while she was drinking, but who takes a bath and then kills himself on purpose? There was also talk about her shaving her legs that morning. A suicidal person doesn't typically go about doing normal things like that. There were no indications she was suicidal at all. Her family and friends, they all said the same thing. So where does that leave us? Did Conrad murder Heidi? Did Heidi commit suicide? Or was this all some sort of an accident? I can't say. 
Hottie did at least take a gun with her into the bathroom that night. Her reason for it, who knows? Maybe she was scared of a drunken Conrad who had already had a different gun with him earlier. Maybe she did have a plan to kill herself. Or maybe she was afraid of this unknown blackmail that Conrad talked about that no one ever found. There are so many holes and variations in this. I don't even know where I stand on this. He was acquitted during the appeal. There was enough evidence to at least cross the jurors into a reasonable doubt state of mind. So like I said, here I am sitting confused, probably just like y'all are. This one I believe we'll have to go and talk more about in the discussion group. Maybe there's a lot more to it that I just don't know about, that my research didn't touch. There are just way too many possibilities for me to say with 100% certainty that any of those things were in fact the way it all went down. But we do have another call. Maybe this one will be a little bit easier to figure out. 911, what's the address to your emergency? Oh, okay, and the phone number you're calling from with area code, please? And what's the problem? Tell me exactly what happened. I just killed my son. What do you mean you just killed your son? I'm hearing voices. Oh, okay. How old's your son? Six. Where's your son now? He's dead. Dead where? In the living room. All right. Do you have any weapons? Can you just send in cops? We're doing that now. What's your name? Matt Pomerico. I'm sorry, the first name? Matt. Matt? Spell your last name for me, Matt. P-O-N-O-M-A-R-E-N-K-O. What's your son's name? Jack. Jack? Jack, J-A-X. And you said you hear, you're hearing voices? Yes. All right, how did you kill your son? With a baseball bat. You killed him with a baseball bat? Mm-hmm. And why did you kill him with a baseball bat? I don't know. Was there anyone else there with you and him? No. We've got some units on the way, okay? Um, I want you to stay on the phone with me. And when did, when did you do that? Matt, when, yeah. when did you kill your son? Matt? Yeah. 
When did this happen? I'm shaking. I understand. When did this happen? Matt? When did this happen? Do you have any other weapons in the home? No. And when did this happen? Okay. And when did this happen, Matt? Still there with me? Matt? This one, unfortunately, is exactly as it seems. This all happened last year in Ohio. The caller and suspect in this is Matthew Ponomarenko. He's 32 years old. I wish this would have gone a different way, that maybe the voices in his head were part of a drug or mentally induced hallucination where he thought it was all real. But police got there to the scene and found what was described as one of the most vicious attacks they had ever seen. They found the boy Jax, who was actually five years old, beaten to death. The local medical examiner's office determined the child's cause of death was blunt impacts to a skull and brain injuries. Jax was autistic and had to communicate with a tablet. Matt was, in fact, the killer. He was arrested on two counts of aggravated murder, one in which he did kill the boy on purpose, and the second, a type of what everyone else would call premeditated murder, in which the local authorities classify as killing him with prior calculation and design. Previously, he was charged with child endangerment, where he placed Jax, who was then only one year old, naked in the street while he stood there yelling at cars. He admitted to taking a variety of drugs, PCP, mushrooms, and methamphetamines. For this case, 
he's pled not guilty by reason of insanity and was given a five million dollar bond he is still awaiting his trial but is potentially facing the death penalty i think you all know where i wanted to go very sorry folks to have two really hard to listen to calls on this one i've said it before us dispatchers we'll never know what's going to pop up the next time the phone rings before i get out of here on this one i want to try to lighten the mood a bit try to with a trailer from another podcast i've just started listening to it's also a true crime show but one unlike i've ever heard before it's called world's dumbest criminals it's a show hosted by my new australian friend tara who does short bursts of exactly what the title implies these people are straight d-u-m dumb and tara is a master at putting an image in your head of what they've done and she does it while making you laugh your ass off i'm not joking the first time i listened to it on my way into work i was laughing out loud it really is that funny but i can only talk about it so much here let's have a listen to the trailer and please check out our show Do you love listening to true crime podcasts but could do with hearing something a bit lighter as well? I'm Tara Saravan, host of World's Dumbest Criminals podcast. It's a show all about the most ridiculous and bizarre true crime stories from around the globe. World's Dumbest Criminals is available on iTunes and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe if you don't want to miss any criminally stupid shenanigans. As always, follow the show on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and especially the discussion group on Facebook where I hang out at the most. Run on over to patreon.com slash musiccity911 and help the show. And in return, at any level, you get ad-free episodes and bonus content. Sometimes that's bonus mini-episodes, one of which I added just a week ago to continue the episode Two Different Crashes. And sometimes there's a bit of extra police or rescue audio that's simply too much to put on the show. Any way you do it, it helps keep the show rolling. Also, to keep the show going, hit up my website, musiccity911.com, and click the link for the merch site and grab a t shirt, a coffee mug, sound bite, and even Music City 911 workout attire in the form of leggings and sports bras both of which are newly added items. Also on the webpage, if you're not keen on all those others, or if you're just feeling like helping out a very thirsty podcast host, click on the button on the page to buy me a beer. It's simply a one-time donation you can do to help me and the show out for any amount you decide. Thanks again for everything, and finally be sure to share the show with any other true crime aficionados you may know. That's going to do it for this episode. For Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and as always, y'all have a good one.